Hey everybody, welcome. Here we are. This is uh, my third vlog slash podcast. We're going to talk about a few things today. We're going to talk about my revisiting the Marvel Cinematic Universe films, starting with Iron Man, then Incredible Hulk, then Iron Man 2, and Thor. This is going to be the first part of this series. Uh, my girlfriend and I have been going through them, and uh, it's been kind of cool, so I have some thoughts about that, and I'll share some of her thoughts as well. The Marvel Cinematic Universe, it started back in 2008 with Iron Man. You have to think, back in 2008, it had only been a couple years since the Star Wars prequel trilogy had ended, and we had just gotten Spider-Man 3 and the first Transformers the year before. I was at a period in my life where I didn't really know what to like anymore because Star Wars had ended, Lord of the Rings had long since passed, and The Hobbit was just a distant dream. It's just a distant thought out in the nebula sphere that I hoped would someday come to fulfillment. And uh, as you all know, you, we all know how that turned out. So I was looking for something to enjoy. I was looking for something to like, for a new franchise to appreciate and, and, uh, and go after. And little did I know that that franchise were the Marvel films. And it started with Iron Man, as you know. Robert Downey Jr. Uh, is the main reason for that film's success. And arguably, like, the, the reason why it be has become this juggernaut that it is. You really can't have... Um, you really can't have the Marvel Cinematic Universe without Robert. And I think Disney and everybody realize just how important he was, so they keep shoveling him money so that he'll, he will do more and more. And that's great. However, I'm not so sure what I think about um, his role in this upcoming Spider-Man movie. I feel like that's forced, but probably more of a Sony mistake than a Marvel mistake. Because Sony is still very much in charge of Spider-Man. Marvel like gives the okay... But they're not as set to that timeline as Sony is still. So Sony, if they keep making problems, it's their fault. And also, you got to remember, John Favreau, he was the brother in Rudy. He was also the director of Elf. Those are pretty much all that he had done at the time, I think. Maybe a couple other things. But uh, this was a big movie for him, too. And it's because of him. And he actually plays Tony's bodyguard uh, Happy Hogan and he slowly has gotten a larger role in each subsequent Iron Man movie uh, which is kind of funny like Black Widow beats him up and it's the director it's the director of the movie just like uh, Gilderoy L well I'll get to that I spoke too soon so he's gone he's gone a long way since to uh, go on to direct Chef which is a great movie I raved about that last week have you seen it yet? I hope you've seen it yet. If you haven't seen it, go turn this off. Watch Chef now. And then make yourself a grilled cheese. That's probably going to become like a weekly thing. I'm just going to tell people, see Chef, see Chef. And we also have Gwyneth Paltrow, who I really didn't think much of before Iron Man. But then when she gives that line, you know, and she's like, I do everything that Mr. Stark requires, including occasionally taking out the trash. She burned that girl. She burned her. And that was great. That was awesome. That really just kind of set the tone. So I really enjoy her role in the film. 
I also like uh, Jeff Bridges. Jeff Bridges is the bad guy. Uh, Jebediah. Obadiah. It's not Jebediah. It's Obadiah. You know he means business. Obadiah Stain. Stain. That's a that's that's a cool name. If I was living in the city and I had a child, I would name him Obadiah Stain. Yes. And he has the best film. He has the best line in the film. It's I have oft quoted it throughout the last nine years. Tony Stark was able to build this in a cave with a box of scraps. Epic. It's just pure epicness. Best line of the film. So great film. Overall, I would say Iron, Iron Man. There's something to be said about the first film. The original film is usually always the best. And there's been a few Marvel films lately that I think equal it. But the first Iron Man, to me, is a 10. It's a 10 out of 10 in terms of superhero movies, in, ten of, in terms of what I want. One thing that started with Iron Man and has pretty much plagued the Marvel Universe ever since, there's two things. Firstly, the music has not been memorable. Now, I think the first Iron Man music is probably the best of the of many of the Marvel films. Uh, it's composed by Ramin Jawadi, who went on to do the Game of Thrones soundtrack. And it's really quite good. There's some cool, like, new age, you know, synthy. Like, it's good music to listen to while you're working on a thesis or something. That's how I would describe it. It's good. Check it out. It's on Spotify, I'm sure. And if it's not... Just download it. Legally, of course. Their second problem, the second problem that Marvel has that a lot of people complain about, and I complain about it too, is the fact that the villains are very disposable. And this goes on. This goes on in Iron Man 2. And it goes on in uh, Incredible Hulk. Though that one was better than most. I read something lately where Kevin Feige, who's the head of Marvel who's basically the guy who's responsible for this there being this continuity over all these years, they asked him, and they said, why are these villains this way? Why do we always uh, have such disposable villains that we don't care about? And he said something that really kind of interested me, and I can understand it. I may not agree with it all the time, but I get it. I get why they're doing it. Um, first, he said, he said in 2008, again, the year Iron Man came out, there were two superhero movies that came out. One was that, and the other was The Dark Knight. And he didn't mention it by name, but that's what he was referring to. That was its big competition. And he said both of those films, they, they emphasized two different things. One of them emphasized the villain. Dark Knight was all about the Joker. If you took the Joker out, as I've said a million times, and I'll say a million times more, that movie is just subpar. It's mediocre. People went to that movie to see Heath Ledger, partially because his death, it, didn't, it was intriguing, you know, what kind of legacy would he leave on the screen. Also because it's the freaking Joker, I mean, ah, it's the coolest thing, ever. it's the coolest villain, I mean, it's the most iconic villain, arguably, in all of comics. I did not go, and I'm sure many of you didn't go, because you wanted to see Christian Bale again, necessarily, speaking in his, I'm not wearing pants voice. But and for Harvey Dent, I mean, and Two Face, Harvey Dent was interesting, but again, it was rushed, and it was he was not the focus. He was pro he was a plot device, really, but he wasn't the main focus. The Joker was the focus. And then you have Iron Man on the other end, and he said that that film focused on the hero, 
And I think by that point in time, specifically, we'd gone through a, a very dark period of 9-11 and all of, like, all this terrorism stuff and Iraq and everything, and it just kept, you know, very dark times. And our, and our movies reflected this. You know, the year before, we had No Country for Old Men, and that won an Oscar, and that's all dark and dreary, and we had There Will Be Blood, and we had all of these really dark films, and our superhero movies, everything had to be ultra-realistic, or it didn't fly. You know, we had to have super serious things. And uh, then Iron Man came along, and it was just a breath of fresh air. It was fun. It was light. It was poppy and snazzy, and, you know... Dark Knight was all about doom and gloom, and everything Batman did, he failed in. Literally, the whole movie, he does nothing but fail. Gordon's the one who saves him in the end. But Iron Man, it's just, yeah, I want to be this guy. I want to be the guy with all the millions and billions of dollars who, you know, makes all this cool stuff, and he solves his own problems by making these things and, and just, you know, laughs and snarks and doesn't take himself too seriously. It appealed to me, and it was something that I wanted to see more of. And I think for the majority of moviegoers, they felt the same way, because it broke box office records. It really set the foundation for everything else to come. And uh, that's, I think, why I like it more. So, back to my main point about what Kevin Feige said. He said, you know, one focused on the hero, one focused on the villain. We focus on the heroes in our films. And... Really, the appeal of the Marvel movies—you're not going to see the villains, really. I mean, maybe if maybe if this new Spider-Man movie had somebody that was cooler than the Vulture, you know, we'd be like, "Ooh, I want to see Venom." But Spider-Man is one of those rare cases who has cool villains. We don't. Uh, I mean, I don't think the the typical moviegoer knows the villains of Ant-Man. We're not going to see them. We're going to see Paul Rudd. We're going to see him interact with other people, other Avengers, and we're going to see just the character dynamics and the growth over that film of the main lead. But that's what they're focusing on. So I get that. Um, I still think that you can do solid villains, and they've done it before. They've done it with Loki. Again, sometimes you can't kill all the villains. Like, if you have them go on to other movies, then it it builds them up as much as the heroes do. And Loki's a rare case where that's that's what's happening. Like Kingpin is another example, though they had 13 hours of a Netflix show to do that. If Marvel wants to f- succeed with this villain thing, they need to carry them over to other films, not just kill them off. And make them dimensional enough, multidimensional enough, that they aren't just one note. So I think they have room for improvement, but I also see where their emphasis lies. And... For that fact, that's why they're such a success, is because that's why we ultimately go to these things, to see the good guys. That all being said, let's move on to Incredible Hulk. Incredible Hulk is the weakest of the Marvel films to me, and until recently, until Civil War came out, I really thought that that was like the red-headed stepchild of the Marvel films. It was just utterly forgotten. But then they brought back William Hurt, as the general general Ross in Civil War, so that was cool. I liked that they did that. You know, it 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 touched on the past and then it moved forward. Now Ed Norton, he's a pretty good actor. I think he's a little overrated, and I think he, I've heard that he's hard to deal with, which is why they recast him. But uh, I think he did a decent job as as Bruce Banner. I think he's a little too skinny. Like I just look at him, 
And it's, I know the Hulk is like, you know, he becomes the Hulk and big and huge and swole. And Bruce Banner's like this skinny little guy. But I think Mark Ruffalo, in general, just has a better better body structure than Ed Norton, who's just kind of a walking string bean, in my opinion. Uh, Liv Tyler is the love interest. Arwen from Lord of the Rings. It got a little tiring hearing her talk like this. Because she's so dramatic. Frodo. <laughs> it's going to look really weird if somebody just clicks on right now and listens and they see me going, Frodo. Sorry, I'm having too much fun by myself on this Saturday night. Um. Anyway, again, she wasn't su- such a great love interest. It was a little funny because there's a part where they're riding through, this, through the uh, taxis in New York and she's like freaking out at, the, at this taxi driver because they were driving. He was like speeding them around, almost killing them. And she's like, how dare you do this? And then she just screams at him. And Ed Norton's like, I think, uh, I think I know a few ways that we can, uh, that we can work on your anger. So I thought that was a funny, a funny bit. Okay, so who else? Ah, yes, Tim Roth. Tim Roth is in this film. And again, I think he's a better villain because they do show him a lot. Like, I would say he's almost on screen equal to, to Ed Norton himself. Because it's like they show a scene with him, and they cut back and forth, back and forth, back and forth. And he was kind of good. Like, he was creepy, and he was... uh, It was interesting because they gave him the super soldier serum, and before Captain America came out, we didn't really know what Captain America would be like, and this kind of gave us a little sneak preview of how he would move and run and, you know, have that kind of healing factor. And then, of course, he keeps injecting himself with this stuff, and he turns into Abomination, which is the name of the monster that Hulk fights and does not kill. So, <coughs> he is still alive. Anyone want to place bets if he'll be in Infinity War? I doubt it. Uh, we'll see. In any case, it was a pretty forgetful movie. It just kind of hops from point A to point B, and they just, you know, he's trying to find a cure to the problem. In the end, he decides to embrace who he is, and that kind of leads into Avengers when he's like, I, don't you know my secret? It's so that I'm always angry. So he's kind of learned to control that anger. So it was kind of interesting to see him change from completely wanting to get away from this to to basically accepting his role and his lot in life. Let's move on to Iron Man 2. Oh, and just for in case you're keeping track, Incredible Hulk, I would give a 6 out of 10. That's the lowest. That's as low as they go, though, folks. Even if I give a 6 to a Marvel movie, that's better than most of the most movies out there that we get shoveled, and uh, in particular, better than most comic book movies, of which there are many flops that are much worse than that. <coughs> Spider-Man 3. <coughs> X3. <coughs> Dark Knight Rises. Excuse me. Anyway. Uh, Iron Man 2. Iron Man 2 is another one that I'm not that crazy about, but at the time when it came out, I, I must have seen it like four or five times at the theater. I just... And I think I know why this is because there's a scene at the end where Iron where Iron Man and War Machine fight. War Machine played by Don Cheadle, not Terrence Howard, who left. Um, he left because he wanted more money than Robert Downey Jr. Ridiculous. Anyway, that scene where they're fighting all these drones and things, it's so cool and it goes so fast. 
that's the problem. These early action scenes in Marvel films, especially in Iron Man, they go so fast, you don't have time to appreciate what you're watching. So you have to go back and watch it again. So naturally, I go back to the theater four or five times, and I watch this stuff over and over again just to see a 30-second scene. I was weird like that back then. Now I only see things like two or three times total. So that's just the way I... That's how I roll. Let's see. What, 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 do, we, what do I know about Iron Man 2? Well, for one thing, Elon Musk is in it, and I did not know who he was, or I, I guess I guess this cameo just completely went over my head in the past. But yeah, he's there. Elon Musk is there. He's at the racetrack with Tony when he's in a, they're at a, a ra- fancy restaurant, and he's kind of sitting there, and Tony like leans over and he says something to him, and he's like, oh yeah, haha, you know, kind of like look back at him. So check him out. It's pretty cool, because uh, he's a real life Tony Stark. Who else is in this? Mickey Rourke is the bad guy. And that's one thing I don't like about Iron Man 2 is it's a wasted villain. You have this awesome guy, Whiplash, with these really cool, like, energy whip things. And then, you know, he's rescued from jail by Sam Rockwell, the great Sam Rockwell of The Way, Way Back. See it. He's amazing. And then he just sits in a lab for the rest of the film and does nothing but tinker on drones. Until the end, where he pops up again and is killed 20 seconds later. So, spoiler alert. I assume that you've seen all these film, these Marvel films as I'm talking about them. So, it's nine or eight years ago. It should be common knowledge. So, I really didn't like that they wasted Mickey Rourke in that role. I would have liked to have seen him get out from the, uh, from the lab, maybe attack something else. And then, uh, like I said, Sam Rockwell is the other villain, Justin Hammer. He's uh, a rival weapons maker. And it's interesting because he was actually second place to be Tony Stark. He was the second choice. Like, seeing him in Iron Man 2, you really don't get the sense that he would have been that great or memorable. But if you do see the way, way back, he plays a really snarky pool uh, lifeguard, pool owner guy, who, with, with a heart, I mean, like... It's a, it's he's he's very like cocky on the outside, but he has a heart on the inside. Uh, we all have hearts on the inside, but he does show his you know compassion later on. And I really think that that channels the Tony Stark that we would have gotten had he been given the role. So check it out. I'm, I'd be curious to see what you think about that. He did a pretty good job in this, but he got a little annoying. Little annoying. I think they did a lot of improv in this film. And some of it hits, some of it misses. Overall, it's still a good movie. Uh, I would give it a 7 out of 10. I think I liked it more upon re-watching it, because in the past, people complained that, oh, this, this movie is too much of a setup for Avengers. Well, clearly that was before Batman vs. Superman came out, because if you see that, it, lo- it makes the foreshadowing in Iron Man 2 look subtle and just beautiful and just enough. And really, it is just enough. There is the overarching plot of Tony finding this element to cure his disease, which is pretty ridiculous. That's another thing I don't care for, is the fact that his dad somehow left him the clues in this map of the expo that he then took and was able to make a new element and then save his life. And it's very far-fetched, and they were really grasping at straws for that. But even 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 like accepting that and moving over that, the movie's about Tony. It's not about the Avengers per se. We do get to see Black Widow. Scarlett Johansson shows up. 
for the first time. She has a pretty significant role. And also uh, Don Cheadle is War Machine. And they all come back in later installments. And they're pretty cool. I uh, I think they did a good job in that. And Nick Fury has a his first larger role compared to the first Iron Man where he just shows up and says two sentences. Uh, he actually has a significant part to play. So, pretty good film. Finally, last one to talk about tonight. And the furthest that we got watching through these films so far, Thor. First Thor was directed by Kenneth, Kenneth Branagh, and he, you may recall, is Gilderoy Lockhart in the Harry Potter films. He also directed a few Shakespeare movies, and he did the Cinderella remake that happened a couple of years ago. So he, he, clearly the man can direct, and uh, I think not only was it not only was he picked for his knowledge of Shakespeare, which Thor kind of is like a Shakespearean sort of film, it, but it's also for the family dynamic at the at the core of the film you have the two brothers and you have the father and you have their their failings and you have their triumphs or thor's triumphs loki's failure and uh i think that they did a pretty decent job of showing thor's transformation from a petulant arrogant ass for lack of a better word to uh to someone who's at least thinking of others besides himself. He still has a long way to go, but he does change and become more aware of the people around him and, and caring for them. And a lot of that is brought upon by the love interest, Jane, who is played by Natalie Portman. Let me back up a little bit. Chris Hemsworth is the lead. And again, that w this was his second lead role, the first being the Kirk's father, in the Star Trek reboot. He's in the film for about 15 minutes, and he gave such a powerful role, such a powerful performance, sacrificing himself to save Kirk and his mother, that uh, he was given the Thor part. Beast of a man, super huge, super ripped, not quite as awesome as my man crush Chris Evans, but this guy's packing it too. I think he did a pretty good job. I think I was a little concerned going into this film that he would be too brawny and not enough subtlety to his performance and I think he pulls it off in certain places. I think he did a good job. Tom Hiddleston, his first major role, and now I think it speaks for himself. He was just in this Kong Skull Island movie that came out. He's been in several other things lately. Uh The Night Manager, I heard that was pretty good. Miniseries on AMC. I think he's done a pretty good job as as the best Marvel villain that we've gotten out of this universe so far. You can understand him and you can see why he has the grudge that he has. And the best villains make a compelling case for why you should care about them and why you should believe in what they believe in. Natalie Portman, here we go, I've caught up with myself. Uh, Natalie Portman is the love interest. She's not that great. She's the weakest link. My girlfriend, she said the same thing when the movie was over. She's like, do we get to really know Jane's character more? Do we get to see... Like, does she evolve, really? Does she become anything more than who she is? And I've, you know, I was like, I hate to say this, but this is pretty much it. It doesn't get much more complex than this. I mean, she accompanies him for the next Thor film, but it's kind of a wasted opportunity. And probably the weakest love interest in the Marvel films. A lot of the other women are very strong characters. I'm thinking of Evangeline Lilly. I'm thinking of... 
uh, Haley Atwell in Captain America. And Natalie Portman had some choice words for Thor, the Thor franchise. She really didn't want to come back. And so <laughs> they wrote her out of Thor 3. She's not going to be in it. Thor broke up with her. So <laughs> now he's going to go for somebody else. Some intergalactic tale, as they say. We'll see how that goes. But I think Thor 3 looks phenomenal. But Jeff Goldblum, that's all I gotta say. Jeff Goldblum, Thor 3. Anthony Hopkins is uh, Odin, the father. Anthony Hopkins has a knack for getting these wise leader roles who, like, narrates and provides exposition in beautiful ways in his eloquent voice. Uh, I think he did that in Beowulf, Alexander... Far too many to name. He just, he just, he talks a lot. And clearly he talks well enough that Marvel was like, hey, let's get him. So the main purpose of Thor was to get us to believe he could exist in an Iron Man world. And in that regard, they succeeded. I think it did a great job of of putting out the groundwork. I think I liked the film more back when it came out. Now, since then, it's gone down slightly, in my opinion, but it's still a good film. So I would still give it a 7. So altogether, Iron Man, 10. Incredible Hulk, 6. Iron Man 2, 7. And Thor, 7. There's many more Marvel movies to go. I think I have about 10 still to watch with my girlfriend. And the cool thing is, she's enjoyed all of them. She really has uh, had a great time watching these with me. And uh, she's actually been a little more generous on the reviews of many of them than I have. But she agrees that Iron Man is the best. And she really has only seen Iron Man, Iron Man 2, and Avengers in the past. So seeing Incredible Hulk and Thor were new for her, and she liked both of them. Hulk, lit less than the rest, but still enjoyable films. So I'm excited as we move forward, and I'll definitely update y'all on the progress as we go through all these other Marvel films that she hasn't seen. I think Guardians of the Galaxy in particular. I think I think that may be her favorite uh, when all is said and done. Will she fall for Chris Evans? We'll see. I don't blame her. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, so we'll find out. That's it. That's all I have for this, uh, for this week. Thank you for tuning in. Thank you for listening, for watching. And, again, if you have any comments, questions... If you're listening to this on iTunes after the fact, please uh, subscribe, rate, comment. What can I do better? What can I do worse? I'd like to know what I could do worse to make this even even more uh, uh, entertaining slash uh, unpredictable. Because that's what we're all about, unpredictability. So thank you all for tuning in, and uh, I'll see you next week. Farewell, everyone. Peace out. <laughs>